Welcome to another episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, the Boots on the Ground podcast for replanters by replanters with your host, Bob Bickford and Jimbo Stewart. Here in the trenches with you doing the gritty and glorious work of replanting dying churches. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital, the church website and branding partner you need to help move your church forward. Here we are back at the boot camp, back at it again, Bob. Hope you're ready for the next episode. Have you recovered from the amount of char-grilled oysters you consumed in the city of New Orleans? I think you had char-grilled oysters like four times. I think five. Five. I'm counting the Fred Luter dedication at the New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary, which was a blast, by the way. Yeah, that was incredible. Um, got a brass band playing when the Saints go marching in and Fred and his wife and everybody kind of marches in the student center and they have the unveiling of his picture. And I was in the student center, not because I thought Fred was going to be there, but because I was sweating buckets <laughs> because New Orleans is a humidity fest. Yes. And Jimbo, I think I was glistening on a regular basis about 98% of the time. Yeah. I think I was probably like 20 years old before I realized that's not what everyone does at all times. <laughs> like I just thought everyone glistened during the majority of the year. Well, it was fun. You know, I think we had some good experiences in New Orleans, got to see a lot of friends, got to see some boot camp listeners and connect with folks. And we did eat, or at least I certainly did, eat a fair amount of char-grilled oysters. So it was a good time. Where were your favorite oysters at? Which ones were your favorite ones? Yeah, you know, I, I think I'll rank them. I would say New Orleans Food and Spirits is number one. And it took us about an hour to get in there. Yeah. We saw, it was a Baptist who's who that was in the waiting area too. Dr. Jeff Orge from Gateway Seminary. And I didn't go up and greet him. You know, I don't know that I've met him personally before. I think I shook his hand once. He doesn't know who I am, right? So, but you know, George Ross was there with the SEND New Orleans team. It was great to see them. There was a contingent from the Kentucky Baptists that were there. So it was kind of good. And then we were there. So, I mean, we didn't make the the annual book of reports this year, Jimbo. No. Disappointed, but we were there nonetheless. So I would go Seafood and Spirits. I would go then Drago's and then Moulot's probably would be my ranking. My favorite were actually the ones at Fred Luter's celebration. Mm. They came right off the grill right there. I see I had to wait a few minutes to get them. At least the ones I got came right off the grill. So they were good, man. You know, we didn't make the book of reports, but in a way we kind of made the resolutions. Yeah. I mean, not the replant boot camp specifically, which I have my qualms for why it wasn't mentioned, and we'll get to that. <laughs> but the idea of replanting and revitalization was resolution number one. And so, Bob, uh, I want to say, whereas the Southern Baptist Convention was an enjoyable time for the most part, and whereas there were moments that were not super enjoyable, and whereas we now move on from there back into our daily ministry lives, I am resolved that the most important thing that came out of the Southern Baptist Convention was resolution number one. Be it resolved, Jimbo, be it resolved. If you could hold your ballots in the air and let us know if you agree and vote on resolution one being the most important thing to happen at Southern Baptist Convention, the yeas have it. You can put those down and you can raise your ballots to say otherwise. And no one, no one said that because everyone agrees with us. Indeed, indeed. Hey, we have the author of Resolution One with us, good friend Luke Holmes. Luke, introduce yourself to the boot camp. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. My name is Luke Holmes. I'm pastor at First Baptist Tishomingo, Oklahoma. I've been here, Easter was 12 years. 
And Tishmingo is a small town, about 3,000 people, try between Ravi and Mill Creek, if that helps you any. It's in the southern part of Oklahoma. We really enjoy it. So I have a wife and three daughters, and my oldest was really excited. This was her first Southern Baptist Convention. She loved yelling second when it was time for it. And uh, <laughs> she wants to be a lawyer, and she said, I could be a convention lawyer. I was like, no, don't do that. That's, <laughs> that's a lot of headache. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, this isn't the only resolution that you, you've written. We did a, an episode last year on a resolution that you wrote. Yeah, last year I wrote about rural churches. And, you know, I'm, I'm a bit of a nerd, a history nerd, especially. And going through resolutions, I noticed that, you know, we've never even until last year had a resolution that had the word rural even in it. Wow. So, you know, that's the majority of the churches in the SBC. And I think it's just important. I had lots of guys come up afterwards and say how important that was and that it made them feel valued and uh, important and part of the SBC. So I was glad to be able to do that. Man, I love that, Luke. And you came on the radar last year, certainly with that resolution. And I know we were visiting prior to official business opening at this year's SBC. And you mentioned that you had written this resolution. And a few hours later, it was right, the first one right out of the gate. And I was super excited. Now, I was not excited about all of the points of order and the parliamentary inquiries that took took us down from the opportunity of being able to discuss resolution number one on revitalization and replanting. So I think we missed an opportunity maybe to hear some more from the messengers about why they supported it. But kind of give us the, the backstory when you were sitting around and successfully had proffered a resolution the previous in previous SBC life, and then this one came along, this was in your mind and your heart. Can I give us the backstory about what moved you to write this one? Yeah, you know, I had offered some resolutions before that have been turned down for one reason or another. And you know, I try to write about things that are important to me. I had somebody approach me about writing one about something else, and I thought about it and told them, you know, I just don't. I don't really care about that. That's not my, it's important and all that. And I'm glad you care, but that's not my thing. And I'm not going to say what it was because it might be your thing. Yeah. But, you know, that's just not my thing. It's not, you know, I believe in writing about things that are important to you. And, you know, I think there's value in, in doing things that nobody else is doing. I knew this year there'd be lots of resolutions on women or ordination or, or those things. And so I kind of, my niche has always kind of been looking to see what nobody else is doing and kind of doing that. And revitalization is important to me. I have my master's head of focus in that. I'm getting a doctorate in that from Southwestern. You are my professors, but you have already turned in my grade, so I don't think I get any <laughs> boost for this. I didn't time that out well, but the uh, not that I needed a boost, of course, but it's, you know, I think it's so, revitalization is so contextual and so varied from place to place. And so I just think it's important. We've had one back in 2014 or 15, I think, something like that on it, but it didn't mention replanting. And I just came to think that was really important and something that that we could agree on. You know, that's also something I, I think my resolution last year and this year, it's something easy to agree with. If you get the points of order out of the way and all that, then I think it's something everybody can agree on. And I'm a, I'm not a fighter by nature normally. And so I kind of want to do those things. Everybody can get on the same page and remember, Hey, this is why we're working together. Yeah. I thought that was a good aspect of your resolution versus maybe 
some other resolutions that are more contentious items, like this was one that not only is it easy to agree with, but it reminds us of kind of what we do and why we do it and, and why we're about this. And, you know, you, you talk about how you've read through previous resolutions, you're going through to see what's there and it's not. And this is where I see, man, we're wired very differently. Like, I, I don't even like reading the resolutions of that year. Like, I'm always like, when it comes time to vote, I'm like scanning real quick and like seeing if this is something I think. And then if I didn't get time to read it, I look for somebody that I know that I think, yeah, I'll probably would vote the same way they would vote on this issue. I just wait to see what they do and, and see. And that makes me maybe. I set out to tell you how big of a nerd I am before COVID, that January before COVID, you know, I'm in Oklahoma. I set out, I thought I'm going to read every annual from Oklahoma's history. Wow. And the first convention was 1906. I got up through 1930 or something before COVID hit and I lost tra- track of it. But I'm going to do that with a convention too. Wow. That's just the type of nerd I am. So. so so, let me ask you this then. What role do resolutions serve? Like, Because one of the things I always hear every year is don't get too up in arms about it because it's non-binding, right? Like... <laughs> It's not a governing document in the sense that no one actually has to change anything they do based off of what a resolution says. So what are historically even like with Southern Baptists, what is the value of writing a well-crafted resolution, voting on it, discussing ways to amendment, getting the wording right and getting it through? I think there's value in that it gives us a way to express this is how we feel about something. Now, they are non-binding, and they only represent the will of the messengers at, at that meeting. I mean, for all we know, the messengers last year could have been against revitalization or something, but they're only for that year. But, but I think it's important in a way, you know, in a way for churches to look to and say, hey, here's what the majority of Southern Baptists feel about this, about this topic. It's a way for, I think it's helpful for Entity leaders or pastors or others, even in communication with the media, kind of the outside world and saying, here's a statement we made about this. You know, it's been vetted and gone through. You know, the resolutions committee last year, Bart Barber was the chair of that. This year, David Sons was. There's pastors and theologians. Malcolm Yarnell was on there this year. Lay people and kind of get all those opinions in there and get everything vetted and the words the right way and then kind of think, you know, this is this is what we is what we think about something, and it kind of gives us a reference point. Now, over time, those opinions change, and there used to be a lot of resolutions about alcohol. There's not as many of those anymore for whatever reason. There's always a lot of resolution about abortion, you know, when there's war and other efforts, and it's kind of a way to address current topics, and so I think they're helpful that way. One of my good friends, Miles Mullen, who used to be with the Missouri Baptist Convention, is now the chief of staff of the ERLC, and we were sitting by one another during the second round of voting on resolutions on Wednesday afternoon. And I leaned over to Miles and I said, hey, um, how important are these? Do, do we need these? And he said, absolutely, they're important because they really form for us at the ERLC a lot of our work because they express the desire of the Southern Baptist Convention. And so I think that's a, an incredible opportunity for us when we wrestle through those and you know we kind of fight through the parliamentary procedure and kind of pick a fight about something else during resolutions, I think you you have helped us really see the history and the focus and the value of resolutions. One of the things you mentioned that I just wanted to get your perspective on is one of the whereas statements says that Southern Baptists acknowledge 
the diverse approaches and models of church revitalization and replanting, and they recognize that effective strategies may vary depending on the unique circumstances and needs of the individual congregation. Just give us a background of, of that. I think sometimes when we're facing a church that's been in decline, we ask ourselves, man, is there is there one thing that's going to fix it? Are there a couple of things? In that statement, you, you're you kind of broadening the umbrella to say it depends and you don't have a one-size-fits-all thing. So kind of give us some of your thinking in that particular part of, of the resolution. Yeah, I think, as I said before, revitalization is so contextual. And y'all know, going from one place to another, what works in a rural place doesn't work in the city and, and vice versa. And so finding you know, the diverse approaches and models. I think when you approach something looking for that silver bullet, there's not one. You know, it's not looking for the guy who has the best preaching and that'll fix everything. And lots of churches think think that. Thinking that strategies vary depending on situations. You know, we have a local junior college in town. And so we've tried to reach out to that and other people don't have that, but they might have a factory in town or any number of things. And, you know, the there's something, and to go back to rural churches, the larger the city, the kind of more alike they are in a sense, and they all have their own particular vibe, but they all kind of have the same issues, you know. But rural places especially are so different. There's not even a good definition of what the word rural is. I sat by a man in a conference one time, and he said uh, he was from a real small town. How small, he said. Oh, just 35,000, he said. It's like, brother, I've got some places to take you. It's like, come with me, and I will show you a small town, you know. And the way you revitalize a church in a town of 30,000 is not the same you do it in a town of 3,000. Mm-hmm. I have a friend who pastors in a town of 100 in Blue Jacket. That's a lot different, too. You know, it's just from place to place. And so one thing I realize, and as I've been studying this and reading on this the for my doctorate and other things, just seeing the diverse amount of of resources out there. And I, I like the way the North American Mission Board and you guys have put this together. You know, there's a lot of thought involved in it. And yeah, you you can pull out some principles and other thing things, you know, but the the principles are few, but you know, the applications are many, the way you apply it across different places. Yeah, so one of the amendments that I was going to stand at a mic and ask for, and I was wondering why, you know, talk about how we have been so influential and helpful to you in the work of church revitalization as your professors, as as the founders and, and co-hosts of the Replant Bootcamp. I mean, how come you didn't include in all your research, all the things you added here, uh, how come you didn't add the Replant Bootcamp as part of the, the whereas or resolved sections? Well, you know, some things are just too hard to measure. They're just uh, they're too big, you know. How do you measure a mountain? I mean, how can you even make sense of it? You know, I do think when you, I didn't, I can look real quick, but I'm pretty sure there's never been a resolution with a word podcast in it. Oh and man, how maybe do you we should do that? I mean, how do you? You said real quick you could do that. How do you real quick go search that? Okay, we go like to sbc.net.com or sbc.net/slash/resolutions. So if I can spell it here on my computer, then it lets you search for words. You you can search by year. This is a great thing they've put together. You can search by topic, by year, by all sorts of things. I just search for podcast. It's not in there. You know, maybe that's a good thing. Maybe next year. There's none that mention eight tracks or 
LPs or <laughs> well, there's always there's always room for another resolution since you are two for two. That's true. Here That's true. In a couple of years, I think uh, you might be thread the needle for the trifecta, get the hat trick, <laughs> and we would be we would certainly be happy to be included as a mention, <laughs> a specific mention in the resolution because I think Jimbo's still a little sore from us not getting mentioned like we were last year. On what page well, was it, Jimbo? What page was oh, the Oh, man, I don't remember now. I used to have it memorized. It okay. was 90, it was either, it was, it was some, I can't remember which page it was last year. All right. I will say I went and, uh, you know, the first rural resolution, actually, I had the idea the year before, and I kind of drafted it, and I ran it by Kyle Bierman and Matt Hensley, yep. and they kind of, and they had helped on some of that year, and, they, and it didn't get approved. And then the next year, he had started working then and he took his name off and it did get approved so I'm just saying maybe that's maybe that's a sign well I don't know if that's on Kyle or Nam or what but it is Kyle and it is Matt so maybe there was a there was some pushback there who knows that's true okay so serious question though on the one two three fourth whereas the scripture argument that you bring I appreciated this I like this you said scripture exhorts believers to persevere in their commitment to the local church admonishing them to encourage one another, to spur one another on toward love and good deeds, and not to neglect meeting together, Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. You're, I know there's an economy of words when it comes to writing something like this. And so this was the, I think, the sole scripture kind of reference you used in here. Why do you think that passage, and and what if, if, if you were to add other passages you think that would point to the importance of this, what would those be? Well, that passage is good because, you know, to not neglect meeting together, revitalization is hard. And if you're committing to a local church and you know you're in a church that needs revitalization, that's hard. Yeah. You know, I I would love to go to the big healthy church with no problems, you know, wherever <laughs> that is. But sometimes we need that encouragement, that reminder. And I think it's a reminder, too, that revitalization doesn't happen just because of the pastor. The pastor helps and he leads. Yeah but it cannot happen without good church members. Mm. And so this is not just for pastors, it's for church members too, you know, to remember that, you know, it takes everyone working together. Pastor can have the best bylaws and the best sermons, but if he has ungodly people, then it doesn't matter. And the church can have no bylaws and kind of run everything by the seat of their pants. If they have good people, it'll probably work out for the most part, you know. And so it's a reminder there, kind of that we need to work together. Other passages... Jesus' words to the church in Revelation are always important about remember and return to the deeds from which you came. I'm fascinated by stories, and I love the stories behind a church revitalization. How did a church get where it is? Sometimes it's by sheer sin, but not usually. Usually it's just by, you know, by good intentions and by not carrying things out. And God has worked there in the past. I think lots of times in revitalization, there's a long to return to the glory days, but I think they don't even look back far enough, look back even farther at the beginning of the church at how God worked in that when it was small and how God worked through pastors and people then to grow it to become something. Yeah. Luke, as you consider wrapping up your doctoral degree and as you look over the landscape of SBC churches, you consider replanting and revitalization. What do you see in terms of our future work? What's necessary? Where should we head? What are the opportunities? You know, I think the biggest help has to happen at association levels. They're the ones that have the inroads to these churches. Uh, Lots of them will not respond to somebody from the big Baptist board, you know. Mm -hmm. But 
local association often. He's pastor there and he knows them. He has met with them a lot. It has to start there. And then it has to move to the state conventions. And especially for revitalization and for replanting, you know, NAM can bring in a lot of resources and direction and those things. But at some point, you're going to have to pull out and walk away. And then it's left then to the local association. And I think I think that's where the value is and everybody kind of learning their role and working together that way. And I think when y'all have your annual performance review, you can go to Kevin Azell and say, hey, we have a messenger mandate here. <laughs> there we go. Messenger mandate resolution one. I, I do appreciate that you mentioned NAM as well as the partnership with state conventions and local associations because we do affirm that, man, it, it really does work best. I mean, the most well-positioned uh, institution in Southern Baptist life for revitalization is the association. Yeah. And as much as we can be back there cheering them on, supporting them, creating resources, providing help, man, that's what we want to do. And one of those things that we're, we're promoting now, because we want to, this is one of those things we put together for that, is the Replant Summit happening towards the end of August, August 29th and 30th. You can go back to last week's episode where we kind of talked through the themes of that, of Renew. And, you know, Mark Clifton will be there, Mark Halleck, Brian Croft, H.B. Charles, Jeff Chang, Tim Booker, Andy Addis, some great breakout sessions with Claude King, who helped write some of the, the Experiencing God stuff. We'll have a breakout for the wives. We'll have Mark Halleck and Brian Croft are partnering up again to do breakouts. H.P. Charles will be doing a breakout on preaching. Man, it's going to be a good time. Replantsummit.com uh, is where you can go find the information to register for that event and help us continue to live out this resolution on the importance of revitalization and replanting. Luke, for everybody listening, I know that you, they can also find more things written by you yeah. through Lifeway Research uh, and things like that. Tell us just a little bit real quick on where they can find other things written by you. Yeah, you can. I've had the privilege to write for Lifeway Research a lot and for the church and other places. All those things, most of them can be found at my website, LukeAholmes.com. And I'm on Twitter most of the time, unfortunately, and <laughs> in Facebook and all that. So track me down. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks for coming to the camp. Man, Luke, thank you so much. It's been great having you. And and I just want to commend our listeners. Check out Luke's writing. Yeah, He is a, a good thinker. He communicates important truths in a clear way. And I think uh, you will be helped by them. So I enjoy reading Luke's stuff and look forward to SBC 24, Jimbo, and to see what resolution Luke's going to bring forth next year. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, a resource for replanters by replanters. If you enjoyed this episode or found it to be helpful for you and your ministry, please help us get the word out by subscribing, sharing, and leaving us a review on your favorite podcast listening platform. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital. 180 Digital is a team of design, development, and marketing experts that love working with churches big and small. Check out 180.church, O-N-E-E-I-G-H-T-Y.church to learn more about how 180 can help your church move forward.